Wayne McCullough with The Simple Talk. This is our second episode, recording here in Dallas, Texas. Excited to be back with all you people. If you remember the Genesis story last time, what we're really focusing on are the big five F's in life. Because I have a strong belief if we can align those five F's, then the rest of your life is going to be so much easier. And frankly, the sooner you can start that in life, the better. But I know some people that have gotten the five F's under control at 21 years old, and some do it when they're 50 years old. And that's faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. Whatever that means to you, right? And however you organize those is up to you as well. Of course, for me, faith and family are at the top because you need that foundation. So the, the, the genesis of the show is to really pass along what I've learned in my life to help you further improve your life with those principles and, and to tell stories along the way, various things that have come into my path that have helped me try to reach out to the world and, and do my little part to make the world a better place. And I think that you really have to believe in providence, um, whatever that looks like to you, providence being that certain things make their way into your life, and you have to let those things happen, and then sometimes you have to take those things on when it just doesn't seem right. I've often said that Abraham Lincoln was highly encouraged not to take on emancipation and the freedom of the slaves, but what if he hadn't? He sent the entire nation to war over this, but what if he hadn't? Right, where would we be? So there's going to be certain times in your life where it's going to be incredibly uncomfortable, and there's time to make those decisions. So I want to talk to y'all a little bit about today about what I would call one of these um, one of these prophetic or providential moments in my life that led to the production of a film called The Heart of Man. And we'll, we'll give some show links later, but at the end of the day, I ended up producing a film, which I had no right to do nor no capacity to do with with my wife as well as another couple friends emily and james and of course there was other executive producers but i want to tell the story behind this and how we got here and because i think it's just fascinating that of course i'm going to encourage you guys to go out and see the movie which is available on netflix itunes etc etc we'll have that in the show notes but it's important story to tell because i was in no place i had actually taken a stance that I wasn't going to serve on any boards and I wasn't going to take on any more charitable endeavors that came along because I was just at capacity and frankly beginning to get burnt out. But this is one of those, this is one of those times where it ended up serving me well and I'm hoping hundreds of thousands of people. And part of this is, you know, I'm really tired of the dead bodies that are laid at the feet of shame brokenness, defeat. There's too much shame out there in the world, and, and I consider myself a, you know, a Christian man. But the, the church that I have known has come to people from condemnation, shame, anger, and we all know how that's worked out, which is not very well. So, so let me give you the backstory of how I got involved with this film, The Heart of Man. And I, I believe you'll find it entertaining, at a minimum, kind of a, a fascinating path. Lizzie's little sister, her name's Jewel, 
Hello, Jewel, if you're going to be out there listening, one of the finest young women you'll ever meet. She was doing a summer internship with a nonprofit based out of Dallas called Pure Hope. Pure Hope is a fabulous organization. I'll have a link to them as well. Basically helping people raise families and children and really function as a couple in an over-sexualized culture. They also have some ties into human sexual trafficking with the belief that we feed this uh, sexual machine every day that people need to get fed, which leads into desire, which leads into demand, which then you have to have a supply for, which is ultimately human trafficking, specifically human sexual trafficking. So Jewel has a heart for that movement. Brilliant young girl was working for the nonprofit as an intern here in Dallas. So Jewel was living in our back house. She's probably 20 to 21 years old. Kept trying to talk to me about the nonprofit. I effectively kept ignoring her because I'm involved in too much as it is. She would put stuff on our uh, breakfast room table. I would look at it and then throw it away pretty quickly. So the interns put on a coffee. They hosted an event that the interns were tasked with putting on at a coffee shop. And, of course, I would go, Lizzie and I would go to support Jewel. So that's the only reason I would go to another fundraiser event because, frankly, I'm burnt out on them. Well, at that event, a guy named Noel Boucher spoke and um, one of his partners and it was gripping, to say the least. And then they had a beautiful African-American woman speak who worked at a local topless bar. Now, what I found interesting, she had been trafficked. Okay, this, this, I'm going to leave the name of the club out. She worked at a club that anybody listening to the show that's lived in Dallas that had any kind of business background, be it investment banking or whatever, knows what these places are called, right? They're, they're places like, the men's club or the lodge or we can go down the list so what i found interesting was she was trafficked i'm not gonna say those specific places but out of an institution like that okay well i have friends that either were still going or had been going and so you don't even know that you're really taking part in trafficking what happened is this young lady had been sent to a sister club in mexico and while she was there they took her passport and her uh u.s dollars away Okay, well, right there you have human trafficking because she has now lost the ability to cross borders on her own. So then she's stuck in Mexico until they decide they don't want her to be stuck in Mexico, which she, as you can imagine, it didn't go well down there. She finally got home, has kids out of wedlock, and, and basically she was trafficked right here in the city of Dallas. And it, it just what it opened my eyes to was that there's a whole world that exists outside of my little bubble. And... I, I got intrigued that night, got a little bit on fire, which is, you know, at any given moment in Dallas or Seattle or Houston or San Diego, you can name the major metropolitan area, especially if we have a large sporting event going on, that there's trafficking happening. There is a white U-Haul with some minority women generally packed up in that U-Haul, Okay. And it's a complicated process on why they got, get here. But so that, that got me a little on fire. But naturally, as things go, two, three weeks later, you know, my fire went out a little bit. I moved on to the next thing that I was focusing on. In that window, Jewel had sent me an email about following up on the, on the event to which I you know, basically ignored it. Now, one thing that's good about me which helped serve her well, is I, I read and answer every email 
I'm a zero email inbox guy, so maybe we'll talk about that on another show, which is I get my, at least weekly, my inbox to zero. But what it means is everything does get read or deleted or filed. So that email sat there for five weeks, and I read it, nothing caught my eye, but I scrolled down in that email, and she had talked about this film that was potentially going to be made by a guy named Tony Anderson based out of Kentucky. Well, I clicked on the link. It was, I'll never forget, it was about 5.30 on a Friday afternoon. I was working a little later. And I clicked on this link and watched this two-and-a-half-minute grainy trailer on human sex trafficking. And this is rare for me. I sat in front of my computer for five minutes and did not speak. Not a word. And I'm going to have to link up the, that original trailer because it was so, it was so gut-wrenching to me. And it was, it was real grainy. And Tony had shot some, some film. And um, basically, it exposed trafficking further. But it talked about the demand side as opposed to the supply side. And it hit a little bit on that we've missed it we can kick down brothel doors and arrest people, but until we address that there's a demand, then we're never going to control the supply, right? It's like anything. We can try to legal do whatever we want, but until we can get to, to people's hearts, we've got a problem. So that just grabbed me by my heart. I responded to that email, Noel Boucher's phone number, the present CEO of Pure Hope, his phone number was on there. I'd never talked to the guy in my life. I picked up the phone at 6 o'clock on a Friday, called Noel. He saved this voicemail. He loves it. I'd love to clip it in here if he still has it. This is five years ago now. He says that he saved it, but he, I said, this is Wayne McCullough. You don't know me. That's a good thing, but we need to get that movie made. Something to that effect, basically that I want to get together with him. And, it's when, and so Noel and I synced up, and I said, look, I think we can get this movie made, and I believe that the crossroads are going to come through Dallas in some form or fashion. Now, I want to be very careful not to take full credit here for this film getting made, but I believe there was a very strong spirit-led movement here, and I felt led to pull in some people and see if we can get it done. Okay, so the backstory is that Tony Anderson, and Tony, you're probably going to listen to this, had been going around filming, um, you know, HD camera filming basically nefarious activities all throughout Europe and brothels and going to Russia. He almost got killed by the Russian mob in Russia, and he'd been uploading these. He had a website and nonprofit called Unearth. So Tony had been filming all this, trying to open up people's eyes to the injustice that was happening out there. Tony came back, was soul tired, was physically tired, and realized he just kicked down brothel doors and made all this footage and didn't change a thing. He got quiet for a year of his life and had a dream. And the dream was this film that became the heart of man. The, the dream also became the three-minute trailer that was animated and... Um, graphic footage that grabbed my heart and it basically it was a fruit it was a tree that grew fruit 
and the heart of the tree gets poisoned, therefore the fruit gets poisoned, and then people eat the fruit, and they are poisoned. And this was literally came straight from Tony's head, who is a world-renowned composer, by the way. Um, I'll put some links to Tony, too, one of my favorite humans on the planet. So, Tony, I think I got that story close to right, if you're listening at some point. So, on the other side of the planet was these two young filmmakers, Eric Esau, and Jason Pamer had created a film and made a film called Rape for Profit. You can watch that across almost every channel right now. It did very, very well. Um, they, they executive produced it with Jada Pinkett Smith, and they took on human sexual trafficking in Seattle. Why Seattle? Because that's where they lived. And their point was that it's any major metro- metropolitan area. doesn't matter what it is. So they had made a film, Rape for Profit, that had gone to number one or two on iTunes documentaries. Noel was in the middle, knew both parties, and brought them together. So what I told Noel was, okay, get these three guys to Dallas, and let's see what we can do. Let's see if I can help. So Pamer, Esau, and Tony Anderson came to Dallas. We met in my conference room with Noel there, mediating the meeting and these three guys started talking and I just let them talk they talked for 50 minutes while I watched keep in mind I'm, I'm gonna the ages will be off but let's call it 25 to 29 to 28 and when they were done I said okay I've never heard Christians talk like you one two you are the Beatles of evangelism. I said, this is what the future looks like. And, and, and Pamer had, you know, half a mohawk and, you know, a, a, a leather coat on and Tony's, you know, all composered out. And it just, they didn't even look the part. And I said, look, stay with me. We're going to go on what I would call a road show. And we're going to go, all I want you to do is bottle everything you just said about your belief and brokenness and sexual trafficking in relationship with God and I, and I and we can help I can help get this film made. We went up to a close friend of mine, his office, and it's the only time I've seen this in all my years. We showed him the clip, we told him the story, he walked out of the room without saying a word, came back and handed us a check. Sight unseen. So that began the process of what became the heart of man. Now what I want to tell you is what's important is this film is really a film of redemption. It's what we call, there's multiple names for it. It's, it's somewhat of a new genre. It's a, docu, a docudrama. So it's a narrative, which is, a, which is what I would call what you're used to as a feature-length film with a documentary mixed in. So it's what we would call a docudrama. So we have various people talking about their struggles, and then we have actual um, filmmaking weaved in, and it is brilliantly, brilliantly done. And these three guys put together the most valuable film I've seen, and the production value is, is, is appears to be a 15 to $20 million film. Um, so now to back up a little bit, what, what's really important to me is the story of the film, which is one simple statement that blew my heart wide open, that Tony made, which is, what if my brokenness was a bridge to God and not a barrier? Okay? I want you to sit with that. 
What if my brokenness was a bridge to God and not a barrier? Okay, we all sit here and think, I'm a bad person, I watch pornography, I cheated on my wife, etc., etc. Therefore, God hates me, therefore, I cannot have a relationship. But that is exactly where God is reaching you, right? As Paul said, in my weakness is my strength. Understand, I am not condoning, excuse me, I am not you know, a proponent of sin or you go out and do these things to get closer to God, but we are broken humans and we live in a broken world, therefore these things are going to happen, be it death, destruction. But what we can't do is live in shame. Okay, As Tony would explain, he had this dream where he's sitting in prison and he's walking through prison. He leaves his cell. He's walking down to the um, mess hall He's got shackles on his feet and shackles on his hand. And he goes and sits down at a metal table. And all of a sudden he looks up and Jesus is in an orange jumpsuit and comes over and sits right by him and just looks at him and says, Tony, you know that, look right over there. You see that? See the prison door? It's open. And it just opened Tony's eyes to that the, the answer is right there. It's open. Even though he was in prison, and broken, the door was opened, and then he's the shackles aren't even done, right? So they are shackles of the world, not of not of the God I believe in. So that's what really hit me was this grace-filled place for finding men and women in their brokenness, and we address both in the film. We have a gentleman Dan Allender in it who is freaking brilliant. People look him up; you'll see him in the movie if you'll please take the time to watch it. Um, and, and he addresses all kinds of brokenness. Um, he, it, and a, you know, a big thing, and a lot of people in this world that goes unrecognized is, right, sexual abuse, even verbal abuse. And Allender has a great quote, what is the return on investment? What is the ROI on sexual abuse? A lifetime. Because you then live in shame forever, and it's a lifetime of personal abuse after that. And so the film addresses that and where that leads to then how's to get out get out of it. So that's the Genesis story of this. Um, that was the point of the podcast today, which is to tell you about that. And where we are today, people, is we have we aired um, on two separate nights, sold out twelve hundred theaters. And now we're basically across every major media channel in the sense of we're on Netflix, iTunes. You can find us anywhere. You can buy the DVD. Right now, we have workbooks that go along with the film to walk you through this because what I'm not a believer in is drive-by evangelism, okay? I'm not, because there's people crying their you know eyes out in this film, bringing out a lot of wounds. I don't, and we did not want to injure people and then not give them options. So it's important to me when I got involved, let's build some back-end curriculum. So we have a syllabus. We have a workbook. Um... You can find a lot of this online, and now we're going, we've been in every, every major country in America, and now we're going to go into the church channel to some extent. I'm very blessed that my church is, has the guts to actually show it, and then we're going to work some curricula, curriculum around it, because this, this is not another Kirk Cameron film, and, and look, nice guy and all, I'm, and actually I like following him, but you know, this is a real, you know, punch you in the face a little bit, very well-made docudrama. But it's imp- but I just want to leave you with you know the the inspirational moment. It's not me, 
It's the people around me. And then I just did take that one step to say, okay, well, I have I have some ability to have connectivity. Let's see if we can get something going. So, you know, what I challenge you with is today is get uncomfortable. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That comes from the legendary trainer James Fitzgerald. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'm going to leave you with something real quick because each week I like to leave you with something I read that could help change your life, okay? It's an article I read that is unrelated to the film. A Japanese doctor who studied longevity and lived to 105 said if you must retire, do it well and do it after 75. This doctor passed away at 105 years old. He believed life was about contributions and helping people, so he would wake up early every morning and do something wonderful for other people. His goals were very simple. Here's how he lived his life. Worry less and have fun. His quote was, we remember as children when we were having fun, we forgot to eat or sleep. We can keep that attitude as adults too. Tire the body, not with too many rules, but with fun. Number two, if you want to live long, don't be overweight. Very simple. Number three, don't blindly follow what your doctors say. And that's something I really believe in. Number four, to conquer pain, have fun. Lastly, always take the stairs and carry your own belongings. I love that. So, there we go, people. I'm looking to have a guest on the third episode. So, like us across all our media channels. Check us out on the podcast. And I'll see you next time. I just want to be a better man